1963, Stanley and Jack Kirby launched the first issue of the X-Men, a new team of superheroes. Superheroes had been around for a long time, since World War II, and they came in many forms. They were larger-than-life powerhouses like Superman, millionaire detectives like Batman, and American military operatives like Captain America. Comics for years had been focused on all kinds of genres, monsters, mad scientists, romance, westerns, and spies, but Lee and Kirby had been revolutionizing the industry with a more human take on heroism. They started with the Fantastic Four, a superhero team who were also a family with real problems, and one of the members, The Thing, didn't even want to be a hero and hated how he looked. There was Iron Man, who created a suit of armor in part to keep him alive due to his failing heart. There was Thor, a Norse god who had a civilian life as Dr. Donald Blake, a man who could only walk with a cane. There was Daredevil, a lawyer who was also blind, and Hulk, a scientist who changed into a monster every time he felt rage. And Doctor Strange, a magician who had once been an egotistical and alcoholic doctor. But most of all there was Spider-Man, an orphaned teenager, a science-loving nerd who was often bullied, but who felt a tremendous amount of pressure to be responsible, and who only chose the path of heroism after some of his personal choices led indirectly to his Uncle Ben getting murdered. Into this universe, they added the X-Men, named the X-Men due to their extra powers, and led by Professor X, because his last name was Xavier. The X-Men was a group of teenagers who were born with their powers, creating an entirely new class of superhero, that of the mutant. Other superheroes used technology, or had their powers granted to them by some scientific accident, but the X-Men didn't choose their powers. They were just, well, born that way. And anyone could be a mutant. Anyone from any walk of life, any social status, any race or ethnicity. The original team of the X-Men consisted of Angel, Warren Worthington III, a beautiful blonde man from a rich family who had spreading angelic wings. Cyclops, Scott Summers, an orphaned boy whose eyes fired deadly blasts, who couldn't control his powers and had to wear goggles constantly. Iceman, Bobby Drake, a jokester and the youngest on the team who used humor to fit in, and who wouldn't come out of the closet as gay for another 50 years. Beast, Hank McCoy, a brilliant nerd with a love for arts and literature, who had enormously large hands and feet along with enhanced agility and strength. And Marvel Girl, Jean Grey, a beautiful redhead from a happy home who possessed telekinesis, the ability to move things with her mind. These students were hand-selected by Professor X. Charles Xavier, a bald man in a wheelchair, who was also a powerful telepath, able to read and sometimes control minds and to project his thoughts. They attended a special school in a rural community in New York, while every other hero was in New York City. Charles Xavier, they would later reveal, had a dream of creating a safe space for mutants in society, but he knew at the time that the world would never welcome them, and so the mutants had to hide in the real world. Angel folded his wings up on his back and covered them with a coat. Cyclops wore special sunglasses, and Iceman removed the icy skin that he wore in battle so that he could walk around passing as a human. They had to hide their light, the things that made them special, only letting that light shine while they were in costume, and then they used that light to save the world over and over again. And their first major threat was Magneto, an evil mutant who didn't want mutants to fit in with humans. Instead, he saw mutants as deserving, and he wanted to show humans that mutants were superior to them. Years later, it would be revealed that Magneto was a concentration camp survivor, and an old friend of Professor X, but then he was the insane villain in bright purple, who could manipulate magnetic energy and who was willing to take on the military itself. 
The X-Men were unique at the time, even as they shared their universe with all other Marvel heroes and villains who'd already been created. And that made things even more exciting for the readers, who wondered what would happen when Iceman met the Human Torch, or if Spider-Man fought Magneto, or if Marvel Girl sat down with the Wasp and the Invisible Girl, the only other major female heroes at the time. Lee and Kirby wrote their teen heroes for young American white boys, kids who would spend their nickels and dimes on the flashy comics on the rack at the local stores. The initial run of the X-Men lasted until 1970, 66 issues that built a mythology that would last decades. And then, for five years, the original team faded into obscurity, until 1975 when Len Wein and Dave Cockrum created a new team of X-Men that featured a diverse cast of characters from all around the globe, including Storm, an African goddess, Colossus, a Russian painter, Banshee, an Irish spy, Sunfire, a Japanese hero with ties to Hiroshima, Nightcrawler, a German trapeze artist, Thunderbird, a Native American powerhouse, and Wolverine, a clawed and gruff Canadian with a complicated history. Chris Claremont soon took over the title, which frequently featured powerful and complicated women in many of the X-Men's most famous stories. And over time as the world changed, the audience of the X-Men did as well. The stories of mutants became the stories of oppressed populations everywhere. Fans witnessed cultural diversity in their comics, and saw stories of mutants who'd been rejected by their families of origin, creating a home together as they fought for what they believed in. The X-Men became about fighting oppressive systems, about letting your light shine without fear, about overcoming tragedy and trauma and learning to fight another day. Mixed into a tapestry of romance and love triangles, heartbreak and death, and impossible odds against colorful and powerful villains, the X-Men became a refuge for anyone who had ever felt misunderstood, including the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender communities. Over the decades, stories about oppressed minorities seeking to belong in a complicated and oppressive world have been examined from every angle, but every story that has come before now has been immortalized, and the X-Men continue to reach new readers and audiences every day as their stories continue to be told. And all that leads into this podcast. Welcome to Grey Malkin Lane, named after the street the X-Men lived on for many years, the home that they created for themselves away from the world that rejected them. This podcast will examine the original X-Men comics in the 1960s through the eyes of a group of queer readers from different walks of life in the 2020s. We will laugh at the ridiculous, discuss the things that inspire us, talk about complex issues like race and gender as they were portrayed in comics back then, delve into old continuity, and most importantly, just sit around and have a good time. And we invite you to join us for the ride.